hand was used to write this song. That's one that the Holy Ghost entered into and moved him to pen the song. But he had experienced it. He had entered into some of it, too. He could attest. He said, what I'm telling you is true. I'm telling you the truth. David could answer for all this and account for all of it. But this is our Lord speaking. Our Lord speaking. And it's his thoughts in his mind and the words that came out of his mouth to his father while he was on the cross. I want to give you the sense of the text. We're going to go through this psalm and look at it, hopefully, quickly. But the milk is how it applies to us. <laughs> through Hebrews 5, I'm going to have to preach on this soon. Uh, well, you can keep giving, giving the milk, and those need to handle meat. <laughs> the milk is how, the, how this applies to us. Oh, woe is me, and, and, and I'm a sinner, and it's bad. That's so. We live that, don't we? The meats, this is Christ. Uh, Melchizedek coming to uh, Abraham, that's the meat. That's Christ that came to him. That's some strong stuff, isn't it? That's, that's heavy. That's deep, isn't it? I want to cut straight to that. We've, we've all been here and done something for 20 If a man was a plumber for 20 years, do you think he ought to be a better plumber at 20 years than he was at year one? Ought to, isn't it? If, uh, if the Lord's been teaching us for 20, 30 years, we ought to grow some. We ought to know these things and and and... Start acting like adults. <laughs> Put away childish things. Knock that off. You know that's so. Now move on. What, what, people say, well, now we've got to get to the deeper doctrines. Hogwash. Now you get to loving. I, I, I've heard people, I don't care. I hear people that it burns me up one side and down the other, so they want to be adults and, and believers in faith and grown-ups and strong people. Good. Act like it. Start forgiving. <laughs> you offended? It's harder to overcome an offended brother than a city is what the Lord says, isn't it? We'll do it. Just love them. Forgive. Be long-suffering. Suffer long. Bear burdens. That means put it in a backpack, carry it around until your bones look like they're broke because y'all bent over. Get after it. Get after it. People say they want strong meat. This is Christ speaking in this psalm. There ain't nothing stronger. He's our strength. You know that? Let me get to it. All right. I want to give you the sense. That's the sense of this psalm. It's him speaking. It's his thoughts. You ever ask people that were in hard situations? In our days, it's Navy SEALs. Somebody, oh, what was you thinking? What was going through your mind at the time? We have what's going through the mind of Christ as he hung on that Roman cross. Could you sit with me for an hour? You think we can keep from nodding off for that long just to hear what he had to think and what he had to say? You think you can hang with me? I think he'll bless it if, if we do. Or Nehemiah said, they read the book of the law of God distinctly. Here is what it says. And they gave the sense. That's what it means. And it caused them to understand the reading. God says, go out in all the world. Preach the gospel. We'll do that. Baptize folks. They'll come to you. <laughs> so I need to be baptized. God's people do. And then teach them. <laughs> teach them what he says. Would you like to hear the thoughts and the prayers of God Almighty on that moment of Calvary? We know this is him speaking there in verse 5. It says, Into thine hand I commit my spirit. We'll look at that in a moment. We know this is him speaking. Every book, every chapter, every verse in this entire scriptures 
is designed to point us to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and to point us to what he accomplished on that cross. Who he is and what he did. Who he is and what he did. It says in verse 1, To the chief musician, a psalm of David. David penned it. He entered into it some of his experiences. He's writing for another. Isn't he? The church sang this, and we will too. It says in verse 1, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. How are you faring? You put all your trust in the Lord at all times? Do I? Answer is no, I don't. Do we believe him that we trust like we ought? We cast all our cares on him as we ought. How about during the good times? When everything's going, I'm just having man, I'm just having a really good day today. Do we trust him when we're out fishing or, or golfing or whatever we're doing? Walking and checking the mail. Do I trust him while I'm going to check the mailbox? What about in bad times? Boy, we sure don't then. Woe is me, woe is me. We'll get to that. Ain't that time in his hand too? <laughs> Do we trust him? Do we trust him? Do we fully trust the Lord of hosts? Do we have total faith in him and him alone? How are we holding up on that moral law of God? Man thinks he can keep it. High on drugs. So it ain't right. High on self-righteousness is what they are. Our divine substitute hung on that cross trusting the Father for his people. Thomas, you know how you've trusted the Lord? Right here, fully. That when he looks at when the Father looks at you, he says, That one's trusted me from conception. Perfectly. Perfectly. Lord, our substitute did this for his people. He said, I in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Let me never be ashamed. Being one with our Savior. Being one with our husbandman. He will never be ashamed. You know what that means? We will never be ashamed. We're one with him. Peter reminded us, whosoever believes on Christ will never be ashamed. When our, not, not believes in, believes on. I mean, our totality, that new creation in us. That's be a new birth, don't they? Believes on him, you'll never be ashamed. Paul wrote about that. He said, he wasn't ashamed a whole lot in Romans, wasn't he? I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel. <laughs> not ashamed of those things. I've been through a lot. We all have trials, but tri tribulation works patience. And patience experience. And experience what? Hope. What's hope? Hope maketh not ashamed. The one we hope in. Not we finally got this stuff figured out. We finally got God in a box and a checklist of gospel points and a message. Somebody we can whittle down and, and say, that's it. When he comes and saves us, gives us the experience of faith, we trust in him. And boy, that hope that we have in that one, it'll never be ashamed. Ever. It ain't going to happen. Much more importantly, the Lord said, He said, Ye shall know that I'm in the midst of Israel, my people, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. It says that in Joel 2. He said so. What assurance do we have we will not be ashamed? What's on the line? <laughs> if, I do, if one slips through, if one gets away, one sheep gets away, what's on the line? Well, that sheep's going to go into eternal damnation. Yeah, that's bad. Something much more valuable. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Never, let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. 
His holiness is on the line. His holiness, this is important. This is what he's thinking on the cross. He says, deliver me in thy righteousness. Deliver me according to your holy law. While he's hanging there, according to everything that's right and holy and just, deliver me according to thy will. We just read Wednesday night about Hosanna, didn't we? <laughs> Him crying Hosanna. Here he's riding in on a, a young ass, an unbroken little donkey. And he's not blinking and he's not looking around and he's not chit-chatting with people. He's a man on a mission. He's heading to that hour. Knowing what he's going into, what do he do? Trust. Trust. He's going to be publicly put to shame. He said, I'll never be ashamed. Maybe, maybe this outside we're so worried about ain't important. Maybe our position and status ain't what matters. Huh? He rode that with joy, and he was rightly delivered, wasn't he? He walked right into Jerusalem, and he was delivered in righteousness. Peter told us that. said, him being delivered... He was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Who put him where he's praying right now? The determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Wicked men with wicked hands did it. It was determined by him. It says in verse 2, Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my rock, my strong rock for an house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. He asked his father to bow down. There. How am I doing on being humble? We know Christ humbled himself. Scriptures say that. We know the things that he went through to be humbled, but mankind cannot enter into, and our language cannot touch how much he humbled himself, how far he humbled himself. We have a finite language for an infinite God. We have no idea. He's God and he's man. We can't begin to describe that. We can't begin to describe it. Great is the mystery of godliness. <laughs> Great. Our sin was laid on him. It made him cry out to his father in need. It made him cry out to his father in deliverance and defense. The whole time saying, You're my rock. Lead me. Guide me. And do it for your name's sake. For your the name's sake is saying do it for your name's sake. Because you won't. And you can't, and I can't, and I won't. He did it for us. He did it for us. Why? That communication's required of me, and I came short. I've cried out for mercy, but I don't know what to cry out for mercy for. I prayed, I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what I don't know. It says in verse 4 Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily and secret for me, for thou art my strength. Praying on my behalf. I was made aware of the net I'm in. And the Lord must pull me out. He's my only strength. Oh, Elihu said that to Job, didn't he? He said, if there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand. <laughs> one in a thousand could come and say this, interpret these things, give the sense of these things. To show unto the man his uprightness 
Then he is gracious unto him and saith, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I found a ransom. Deliver him from going down that net, down that pit. He's found a ransom. Our ransom prayed for us on our behalf while he was being made a ransom. That's where he went. Down that pit. We, mankind says, you know, he reached, we sang, he reached down his hand for me. I was in a miry pit and the Lord brought me out. What do you imagine? What's your sinful, sin-filled, cursed mind imagine? The Lord's sticking his hand down and us what? <laughs> reaching up. Reach, you done a lot of reaching? Dead men don't reach. How'd he reach his hand down? Below us to the dregs of that pit, the very bottom of it, and lifted us up out of it. Not pulled us up out, lifted us up out of it. Didn't he? he brought us up out of there. He reaches down for us. Where did all this take place? Verse 5. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. We do commit our spirit to the Lord. We do. We, mankind says, give your heart to Jesus. That's nonsense. And that's been just made horrible through wicked intent and everything else and ignorance. But there's a total commitment of the soul to our Lord. We do. An expectation against that day. Isn't it? That's what Paul said. I know whom, not what. There's a whole lot of people that believe what. They need to, they need to meet a person. <laughs> I know whom I believe. And I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. What did Paul commit to him? Lock, stock, and barrel. Absolutely everything. He's all. Christ is all, right? <laughs> He's all. Everything. Well, I know. No, you didn't. The thief on the cross had just been given that promise to be with the Lord that very day. He, he was nailed to that cross cussing him. <laughs> and he couldn't wash, he couldn't work, he couldn't walk, he couldn't handle. He couldn't eat nothing, not eat nothing. Completely incapacitated, wasn't he? And the Lord saved him. Revealed Christ to him right then. He said, who are you talking to? Don't you know who this innocent man is? And the Lord said, today you'll be with me in paradise. The one that knew him for the shortest amount of time should have the most assurance out of anybody that's ever walked this earth. The Lord looked him in the eye and said, you're mine. You're going to heaven with me today. I am heaven. You can be right where I am. It was about the sixth hour. It's high noon. There was darkness over the whole earth until the ninth hour. From high noon until 3 p.m. People say, well, there's a, a eclipse. Well, the whole earth was dark. Darkness came upon the earth. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. That's where this was taking place. Now he has to lay in a tomb for three days, doesn't he? The Lord forsook him. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He, like he did at Lazarus' tomb. He goes, I know you hear me always, but I'm going to say this out loud so they can hear it. <laughs> why did he say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did he have a question that wasn't answered? No. So we knew he was forsaken. God turned his back on God. Then he has to lay in a tomb for three days, separated from God. You and I cannot enter in how terrible that is. People say, I'm lonely. I feel so alone. You talk about alone. 
in totality. He was alone, separated from the very God he had constant communion with from eternity past. Well, he had a couple good friends with him. No, he didn't. <laughs> he was alone. He tread that wine press alone. I mean, nobody. Peter said, I'll die with you. Nope. Then he'd had a battle, buddy, wouldn't he? Alone. Lay in that grave alone. He called himself, he called it hell, didn't he? He said in Psalm 16, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. This body ain't going to rot. <laughs> you ain't going to leave me there. Verse 5 says in Psalm 31, Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. He hated them that regarded lying vanities. God's just trying to do something. Uh, lie. And so he don't try. He's God. God wants to do something. Lie. God doesn't want to do things. He's God. That's who he is. God loves everybody. Right there he says he hates some people. We hate our sin, don't we? Do you hate your lying? When was the last time you lied? <laughs> you hate it? Not like we all. I wish I didn't sin. I wish I told the truth all the time. I wish I was bold all the time in the Lord and trusting Him and, and tell all people the truth. And, and they say, well, I think this. I say, well, you're wrong. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. I'm going to be consistent on that. And then the people fight me. Well, but, but, I don't care. That's what he said. I want to do those things. And I want to hate sin. I don't do it like I ought to. I don't do it like I want to. What about this one? It says in Psalm 45, Thou lovest righteousness. That's all he loves. Holiness and perfection. And thou hatest wickedness. All of it. It's easy to hate the sins I don't want to do. What about them sins I like doing? It's so. Isn't it? This one. Hated wickedness. What parts of it? All of it. Every one of it. And he can distinguish. I can, I'm too dumb to distinguish between the two. <laughs> I call bad things good, good things bad. I'm a fool. Mankind's a fool. We, there's a way it seems right to us and ends death. But he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. <laughs> Mankind says that he's anointed him with the oil of gladness while he hung on a cross. How could that be? It's so. He ain't like us, is he? Verse 7 says, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy. He was glad to go to the cross while he was riding that donkey. In all seriousness and reverence and respect and trust, he willfully did that. He willfully did it. We read in Hebrews 12, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's his faith. He gives it. He authored it. He keeps it. He prays for it. He finishes it. Till we see who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame hmm. why why did he do that the means of the cross was the only way to righteously show mercy to a sinful people he knew it he knew it. this is the only way 
What if there was only one way you could do something to keep your wife alive? Would you be like, well, I don't want to do it. <laughs> That's it. It's the only way. I'll gladly do it. Would you do that for your children, keep your children alive? Would you gladly do it? He said, this is the only way the Lord can show mercy. I'll gladly go. He's just and the justifier. Verse 7 says, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversity. You know why we are set free? Those that the Lord's come to and revealed Christ in and put new life in and they're born again and, and, and they're set at liberty. Liberty. Why do we have liberty? Why are we set free from the bondage of sin and death and hell? Because the Father sees the trouble and the adversities in the soul that Christ, he bore in his soul. He saw that and he's satisfied. All the wages I rightfully earn, and this is just unfathomable, all the wages of sin that every believer in combination throughout eternity has ever earned, I can't even count my own. That's how precious that blood was. He bore it. And he bore the brunt of everything, that every cross thought and sour look and everything else, he bore the brunt of it in his body on that tree. Read in Isaiah 53, And he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. The Father said, I'm satisfied. Everything's right. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. When every child of God is seen by the Father, he just sees the satisfaction he feels in Christ's blood sacrifice. He sees the blood. He's satisfied. He passes over us. Verse 8 says, Then hast not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. Thou hast set my feet in a large room. You've done this, and we need to remember this. <laughs> We're not man's prisoner. We're God's prisoner, isn't it? enemy ain't shut me up well there's just so many bad things around me who put them there you don't like what's going on in your life who gave you that life the Lord's done this you've not shut me up to the hand of the enemy <laughs> as he hangs on a cross thou hast set my feet in a large room you know what that's talking about it's like a big open field there's no mountains no, he's the highest thing on that field he's exalted but he can see everything you can see all the enemies coming. Nobody can hide from him. There's no, because we talk about the valleys of this world, don't we? Enemies can get up in the mountains, shoot down on you. <laughs> That's no good. The Lord's put him there, and he knows it. That's what Paul said. He's, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And there's no valleys here, no place for the enemy to hide. And he knows that his, the Father's eyes on him. I know this. You've done this. Do I do that every time? Things ain't just going my way. And I don't like it and I'm mad and sad and pouty and everything else. The Lord's done this. I'm in a lot of pain. The Lord gave me that pain. He's looking dead on his child and he's doing this on purpose. Verse 9. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I'm in trouble. Mine eyes consume with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity. My bones are consumed. The sins he bore, he made them his own. We can't do that. That's why man gets so confused on it, and they just their intellect's insulted, and they have to talk their way around what God said. 
He can and he did. He bore our guilt. We can't do that. He can and he did. How? Uh, the Lord made him sin who knew no sin. Man, the rest, how can I be righteous? It's <laughs> a word about how dad pays taxes and you ain't old enough to have a job. Knock it off. Because he has bored that trouble, we'll never see trouble. Because he's consumed with grief, we will never be consumed with grief. Because those years of sighing, he's a man of sorrows, wasn't he? We'll never suffer that sorrow. Will we have light affliction in this life? Yeah. Job had light affliction. When we see Christ and what he did, who he is and what he did for his people, buddy, everything's easy. What if the Lord killed all my children, took everything I had, took my health from me and everything else? and then left my bride, and she cussed me, said, curse God and die. Light affliction. Light affliction. Turn over to Lamentations 3. Because he's borne our iniquity that we can't bear, it's gone. There's none left. Lamentations 3. you got Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Lamentations. Lamentations 3. Here, these are the words of Christ, too. It's so easy. I knew a brother a few years ago that read through Lamentations. We do a lot of crying. Our crying don't matter too much. <laughs> That's our Lord. What he bore for his people. Lamentations 3, verse 1. I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. We always think God's punishing us, don't we? He don't punish his sons. He chastens them. He chastens them. This is the only one that saw the rod. He hath led me. And brought me into darkness, but not light. Surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. This is the one that was in the beginning, was with God and was God. This is the one that made everything in creation. And it was made for him, and he knows it. He said, Father, I know you hear me always. Now the Father's turned from me. He's not hearing me. Verse 4, my flesh and my skin... Hath he made old, he hath broken my bones. Those bones are bending. There wasn't a bone broken in his body. Those bones are bending under the weight. And his flesh is old and his skin's made old. What's that mean? He was 30-some years old. And he said, oh, I've, <clears throat> Abraham saw my day. He was glad. And those Pharisees, don't want to be one of them, looked at him and said, you're, you're just barely 50. He looked like he was 50 years old. You know what that means? He looked like he was 50 years old. Because his flesh and his skin was made old. Being in this sin-cursed world, it just aged on him. His body just bored. Verse 5. He hath built it against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places, and they that be dead of old. And he hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. And he hath made my chain heavy. Also, when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed in my ways with hewn stone, carefully carved stone. And he hath made my paths crooked. And he was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. This wasn't haphazard. This wasn't just a, a bucket pouring out. The father drew his bow and took careful 
pain. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins, into my deepest parts. I was, in, I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness and hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. Thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Now when we read, he humbled himself, made a little lower than the angels, a little bit different in me. When we think we're humble, well, I've just done so good. I'm, I'm just a good servant. God will shut us up. And what do we cry to all that? What's our response to that? To the believer, to the one that's truly given life, not somebody that just says they believe, somebody that does believe. What's your response to that? How does that make you feel? Verse 21. This I recall, this is us speaking. We cry this. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Everything I earned, I earned all that. He bore it and put it away. Now I have hope. I have hope, untouchable hope. No man can take it away, and that includes this man. <laughs> Untouchable hope. The majority of people, you walk down the street, they'll agree with you. I wish I could talk to everybody in this county and then pay close attention to me. Everybody walking up down the streets, they'll agree with you. A man named Jesus died on a cross. Oh, yeah. Yep, Jesus died on a cross. We know that. Well, we're thankful for Jesus. Don't you just love Jesus? Bless his little heart. If they had any idea what torment was and who it was that was tormented. Even, I mean, just a glimpse. That's all we have. And for who he died, this holy one of Israel, this holy thing, hung on that stinking Roman cross, not even a Jewish death. He wasn't stoned. He's hung on a cross, a heathen cross, and bore all this. And the father, what, this is what's going on inside. We saw the outside. His mom didn't even know that was, his, that was her son. Who'd he do this for? The upstanding righteous people in our day? Them good old church goers? Little blue-haired grandmas and stuff? Sinners. Enemies. Those that said crucify him. Give us Barabbas. <laughs> Give us that convicted felon. Those that are still in sin. Those that hated him. We recall this to our mind and we have an expected end. If he did this while I was an enemy with him, well, now I have life. <laughs> if he kept me then, you think he's going to keep you now? That's an expected end. That's no, not hope like well, it was a 50-50 shot. That's an, hope is an expected end. We have expected outcome. His person and his work is why we have hope. It says in verse 21, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. I thought, this I recall to my mind, this do in remembrance. We told to do that in something? How lightly man's so prone to take the Lord's table. Flippantly. Paul said plainly, that's why a bunch of you are sick and that's why a bunch of you is dead. God, the Bible kills people. It's not just a thimble of wine and a saltine cracker. Do you know that? This is his broken body. This is his blood that he willfully shed for a wicked worm like me. 
If that doesn't cause reverence, you don't know who it's about. Verse 22 says, It's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. Mercy is not getting what you rightly deserve. We understand that's a definition, and that's right. We don't know what he's been merciful to us over. Unknown things. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know how bad we are. We don't know what we've been saved from. He got everything we deserved. The bulk of which we have no idea about. Verse Back in our text, Psalm 31, verse 9. Psalm 31, verse 9. It says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eyes are consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity. My bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and a fear to mine acquaintance. They that did see me without fled from me. Everybody run around. Every friend abandoned him. Verse 12, I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. People don't care about it. For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side while they took counsel together against me. They devised to take away my life. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. <laughs> oh, Brother Nybert said that one time. We said, well, you know, something big happens, good or bad. We said, well, that was very providential. And in a, in a way, uh, that's saying, wasn't everything else providential? Is it everything? What times are in the Lord's hands? Uh, who's in office? <laughs> who's the president? What's flying overhead? What's moving next to me? What's going on underneath the ground? Everything's in his hands. Everything's in his hands. People talk about Jesus as our example. They say, well, what would Jesus do? That was a big thing in the 90s, wasn't it? He's given us a good example. He's given us the, the, the only example. What would he do? In the absolute darkest moment of all of history, as he hung there, he says, my time's in your hands. Lord's done this. Lord's done it. You ever had the sniffles? God did it. You hear that? I mean it. We don't just agree with it. Uh, let's grow up and start acting like it. The Lord did this. If I got aches and pains, the Lord did it. If I have good times, happiness, I, I just really like the Rolling Stones. Well, he made the Rolling Stones so I could listen to them. Happiness. He did that. It's all in his hands. You understand? Everything. That's maturity. That's setting your face like a flint. What's going on today? Uh, whatever is the Lord's pleased to do today. Brother Henry prayed that years ago, and I do too, and, and I hope you do. I'm sure you do. Oh, that we could be surrounded by brothers and sisters that don't just say the Lord's hands of what our times are in, but they believe it and act like it. What example that would be for my brethren, for me to do that. Oh, I hope he'd, he'd enable me that. In all things, give thanks, isn't it? Samuel came to Eli and told him the words of the Lord. The Lord said he's going to kill you and, or take the thing from your uh, family. He's going to kill both your sons. Your ministry's going to be destroyed. Your whole lineage is going to be messed up. And he said, it's the Lord. Let him do what seems right to him. <laughs> It'll be all right. Verse 16 says, Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed, and let them be silent in the grave 
Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Our Lord hung on that cross. He laid in that grave for three days. And on a beautiful Sunday morning, he arose. He arose. The Father was satisfied. He endured things our language can't describe. And he arose. Now he speaks concerning his bride. Verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee. You honor that? Is that honorable to you? Is that just something else we've got to read on a Sunday morning? <laughs> you fear that? You honor that? Which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. You wrought it in them. Thou shalt hide them in secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. A dog can't wag its tongue at his people. Blessed be the Lord, for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplication when I cried unto thee. O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful, and plentiful rewardeth the proud doer. What's that mean? The Lord preserves the faithful. Those he's made faithful. That's what he's just saying. Isn't it? He's done this work, you know. He it's his faith. He prays for that faith. He keeps it. People say, Well, my faith got me through. I've just I dusted off my faith. So flippant. It's a shame, isn't it? They're gonna be sorely ashamed. They're gonna be disappointed. The Lord gives faith, it's his. We don't have to fear it going nowhere. His gifts and calling are without repentance, aren't they? What about those proud doers? They get a plentiful reward. Mm, they'll get the same thing Christ endured. Endured. They're leaning on their experiences and their hope and, and, and their thoughts and patterns and their doing and studying and whatever it is. One ounce, you'll receive everything he endured for his people. A plenteous reward. And they'll receive that eternally, won't they? Here's the instruction and the conclusion of this whole thing. Be of good courage. This one that overcame it all and that's risen from his grave, he speaks to his child and he says, Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. What's he saying? My friend gave me a sign, a little metal thing I keep in my office. I got a position on the wall that whenever I give up from studying and I quit, as I do often throughout the week, I turn that way away from the desk and says, Keep on keeping on. Keep doing what you do. Hang in there. Hang in there. When you're at your wit's end and you're alone and nobody's with you. You felt that? I have. Be of good cheer. Be of good courage. Isn't it? He shall strengthen your heart. And I remember that. And you know what? Right then, when I remember him, what he did for me and who I am, who he is, heart strength a little bit, isn't it? We breathe in, not out. All ye that hope in the Lord. We think life's so hard and we're just not going to make it. He says, be of good courage. I'll be your strength. We look at what Christ endured. All of that's over. Did you know that? That's what when Paul said there is therefore now no condemnation. That condemnation he's talking about, that's what we've just been reading through. It's gone. He done the heavy lifting. He done the heavy lifting, Cass. What do we have left? Light affliction. If he did the heavy, we have the light. Light, this ain't nothing, is it? 
That strengthens your heart, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Does that make you of good courage? Why? He's our hope. He's our expectation. Yeah? Let's pray together.